Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Help support this network and become a member. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for details. It's just $7.99 USD per month or save on an annual membership. That's arcpodnet.com slash members to support education and outreach. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 242 for June 29th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, Andrew and Doug talk about setting goals in your career and figuring out how you want it all to end. So it's time to go monocle shopping with Andrew and the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Hello and welcome everyone to the CRM Archaeological Podcast, episode 242. And I am Andrew Kinkella, your host, sitting in for Chris today. Joining me is Doug. Hey everyone. And Doug, where are you from at this point? Where am I from originally? No, or like, no, where, where, where am I coming? based right now? Yeah, where are you based right now? <laughs> Just outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. There you go. And Chris, who may or may not be with us at this moment. Chris, are you here? <laughs> <laughs> so, so technical difficulties with Chris, so uh, he yes. may or may not join us. Yeah, so, so uh, there you go. This is answering the question as to why I'm hosting today. Chris is having some technical difficulties. So with that said, I thought I would throw this over to Doug, who is doing our theme of the day. And Doug, what would you like us to talk about? Yeah, so our theme of today is uh, what's your end goal? And that's that's sort of like what are people's golden parachutes or plans for leaving archaeology? And by leaving, you know, that could just also be retiring, not like, you know, going to different careers, but maybe going to different careers. So this episode's talking about career goals and i suspect they've uh for most everyone they've probably changed and mutated over the years i I don't think i've met anyone who had like a goal that they've managed to pursue throughout their entire career entire lives just you know if, if if you start you know in your in your 20s that's about 40 years of working and things are bound to change so uh this episode's just talking about career goals and sort of not just current career goals, but like your end goals. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Andrew. (laughs) Uh, Could you tell me a bit about what your current end goal is? How how do you plan uh, on leaving archaeology? Is it uh, feet first with the paramedics taking your your lifeless body out of your your office from the university or, you know? It, it is. It is. See, there, there you go. I'm the world's worst inter- interviewee right now. I'm just like, yes, yes, that's it. Next question. Now, you know, I, I really would say that I'm living the dream. And what I mean by that is I have found the spot 
in archaeology, and we've talked about these kind of things in the past, how, how when you say, oh, I want to be an archaeologist, there's actually so many shades to that. You know, OK, what do you mean? Do you want to teach? Do you want to be in CRM? Like there, there's and there's a lot of sort of mix and match of these of these different possibilities within archaeology. But for me, I found something that really that really placed, I think, to my strengths. And yes, I am one of those college professors who just wants to stay in it until the end. I'm like, okay, I don't want to take away from young people. Like I I don't want to be like a full timer for 40 years or something, but I see myself when the time is right, retiring, but still teaching like two or three part-time classes. Cause it's like, it's who I am and it's what I want to do. But I will say in terms of coming to that, it was a long road and what I learned from all the stuff I tried and the stuff that worked and the stuff that didn't was to set like reasonable goals for yourself and enjoy the little goals. Like I remember way back, one of my big goals was, man, I just want to be a teaching assistant, man. That just looks so awesome. I would love to be a teaching assistant. And when I ultimately got that, that was huge for me. So I, I find that, that that's something that's kept kind of the fires burning in archaeology is having having these little reasonable goals, even now. So I don't stagnate as a college professor. But in terms of being a college professor, I really like it. And I want to kind of stay with the gig. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I've I think it's changed. It's changed over the years. So when I first started out, you know, pretty typical of, of how most people end up in archaeology. Started a degree, did a field school and enjoyed the field school and decided, yeah, I'm going to do some CRM. And then started doing CRM. I actually ended up really liking it. I really enjoyed it. When I got started, there were smaller projects, but we ended up doing, um, I, I did a lot of what was then Bush's border fence. So pretty remote archaeology, but really interesting stuff. That's cool. And and just for me, what is bushes and border fence? I've never heard uh, that. So like people forget this because, you know, Trump's loud and whatever, but mm-hmm. Trump decided it was going to be a wall. But really like Bush was the first one that decided they were going to do oh, gotcha. okay. a, a big border fence to stop um, yeah. immigration, which was a complete joke. Because mm-hmm. what, they, what they ended up doing is they uh, did pedestrian fencing, which is just like chain link fencing that's so tightly woven together that you can't actually get your fingers in it to climb. Mm-hmm. But like when we were do- down doing there, we'd, we'd survey parts of the fence that already existed and the fence actually ends. Or, and the wall ends. Like p- people don't realize it, but there's like well-worn paths that just go around the outside of, of, of the physical fences. And actually, they when we started doing the, the physical fence, they'd already decided it wasn't that cost-effective. It costs a small fortune to keep basically fences going up cliffs. I mean, it, it is rugged. A lot of the Mexico-U.S. border is super rugged. And then also like at one point, uh, someone had taken a – uh, a welding torch had cut a door in it, welded on hinges, and locked it from like the Mexican side. Um, so they, they, they've mainly moved it to sensors, but like sensors don't—that's not like a good red meat issue to throw to your base. Right. Uh, so yeah, this was all about building like 
pedestrian fences where people could walk. And then basically, you know, the, um, was it the Prague hedgehog? You know, like those anti-tank little, um, looks like uh, steel beam sort of crisscross. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, they put a bunch of those in there as anti-pedestrian. And that was more for like the drug runners. Uh, so they, right. they, they'd get like tricked out um, Broncos and basically just huff it over the border uh, in like the rugged hills. Right. And to just outrun the border patrol for smuggling. And so they, they put in a bunch of those to try to keep the vehicles down and yeah. fences, yada, yada. And, but, and so those are the things, those are the things that you see like on the beaches of Normandy, right? Those, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so that was a big project because, you know, it was supposed to be the entire border and then, you mm-hmm. know, it, it kept shrinking because like they suddenly realized that like putting a, a fence through Arroyo. And so like, when I say Arroyo, I know that's a very Southwest, but like, you know, a, a water a waterway, basically a dry waterway that then will flood. You're going to lose your entire uh, fence. So they, they kind of figured that out. But what they did for the project was lots of survey. We, we surveyed the entire wall, yeah. but also the wall doesn't actually make the, doesn't make the big difference. It's all the support roads. So like the archeology span was, was, well, it was a year plus project. Sure. It's because you know we were surveying all the uh, the support roads, which is much longer than the than the border wall. And so, yeah, I I started out with that. It was it was great archaeology. It was good people I was working with. But also that started the the, the border wall started two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and then the economy crashed. Right. And so, uh, you know, made it through to mostly through two thousand and nine. And, you know, it's CRM. It's CRM in the Western states. So that's Secretary of Interior's specifications. Yep, (laughs) yep. Uh, So if you wanted to move up, if you wanted to be, you know, project manager or PI, um, even sometimes it depends on crew chief, you need to be uh, permitted for the BLM. Right. And you need to basically be able to get a master's. Yeah. So my career goal was still to do that at one point. I went off to do what was going to be a one-year master's in the UK uh, so I could come back and do CRM. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was over a decade ago. So uh, obviously, my career goals have changed quite a bit. My original goals were to do the just work my way up through CRM was tech, crew chief, project manager, PI. That was that was the original goals, right? And hopefully ending out on like a PI somewhere. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I think for a, for a lot of us in the CRM world, we do have that foggy goal of like, okay, now I'm in this. I know I like it. I know I want some sort of career in this. And then you kind of look around. You go, oh, I think I need a master's. Okay, but then for me, I found that the the path onwards up, up in the CRM world was kind of foggy. Like I didn't know, you know, the next steps to take, like, like I got to the point that I I'm sure you did too, where you knew how to get a job. You knew what to do in the job. You know, you know how to survey, you know how to fill out the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, how do I get promoted and, and what are the possibilities of promotion, you know, and what does that entail? Like that part was always kind of like the black arts to me. I didn't, I, I couldn't figure it out, you know? I think uh, a lot of it, and and it helped to be where I was. So based outside of Albuquerque, and then, you know, Santa Fe wasn't too far away, a lot of companies. 
are based in that sort of central part yeah. of Mexico. Yeah. And, and for, actually, to be honest, for a lot of CRM, it's actually moving company. Like to move up, you sort of have to move out. Mm, totally. I've seen, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Something they don't tell you, you know, that's, that's one thing that I wish I, I knew more is just the simple, how do the upper echelons of CRM work, you know, and, and what, what am I supposed to shoot for? You know, okay, I'm here sitting here trying to dig this square hole in the desert. Wait, how do I, how do I move up? What are my possibilities? And, and to me, that was always a little foggy. Yeah, I think that's part of what, so part of the reason I bring up that topic is, yeah, I've, we've discussed this before on the CRM podcast, maybe a bit before your time, Andrew, mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> um, I, I was part of a, a course at UNM that then became a book and we'll put it in the show notes and it was uh, Joe... Uh, Joe Watkins and uh, Carol Alec. Part of their book is you have to have like a five-year plan and right. and like long-term goals. And part of that, the reason that they do that is you know it doesn't need to be five years, guys. You you know you could do seven, you could do ten, six months, whatever. But the idea is if you have a goal, you have a place you're going for, and you can attempt to sort of map it out. I, I think that's sort of one of the things that we don't a lot of people don't have in our profession is sort of similar to like you, Andrew, where you, mm-hmm. you, you had this vague goal of like up, you, yep. you want to go up, but you don't quite know how to get there. And I yeah. think at least with a goal, it gives people something to latch onto to research or to ask questions or to like go get advice about. So like if you, you probably need to get a bit more specific as in, Andrew, what were you, a crew chief or tech or? Yeah, I was I was a tech for the most part, but then I kind of got up into the crew chief world. But and then from there, it was so weird because I was like, do I just have to knock the boss off in their sleep and then I become a boss? Like, how does this, you know, how does this go? Where do I go from here? And that's where what you brought up earlier. Oh, I have to change companies, you know, to to move forward. Yeah, I mean, probably not for everyone. I think there are some some companies where you can essentially wait long enough and then get promoted up. Yeah. Also depends, you know, like especially for like say, uh, maybe you're working in like a big engineering firm or mm-hmm. you know environmental firm where they'll have like very clear paths about like promotion and you right. know. A solid HR department that uh, has like a whole list exactly, and you get uh, KPIs and work appraisals, and once a year or every six months or every yeah. three months, um, you get a score that tells you whatever. Um, I don't know, you know, yeah, you know, two B pluses or something, and then you you, you kind of have a route. But for a lot of people, um, I think yeah, you pretty much have to constantly be looking around to yeah. hop up, hop to a different job to go yeah. up. It, you know, in my experience, the more I think about it, not, not only in CRM, but also in the academic world too, funnily enough, it's like, you have to change, you have to change the job. You know, it's, it, you can do the waiting game, but the waiting game is so long. And if the waiting game is too long, they're really trying to tell you something, you know? So actually with that, we'll pick that up on the flip side in segment two. We'll see you guys there. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. We've got regular live events coming up that we don't want you to miss. Head over to our new parent website, Culturo, and check out the live events calendar. We're ramping it up slowly, so bookmark and check back often. That's culturomedia.com with a K. Once again, that's culturomedia.com. Hello, and welcome back to the CRM Archaeological Podcast, episode 242. And it's just me, Andrew Kinkella, talking with Doug. And Doug, I'd like to throw it back to you for segment two. What do you got? Yeah, well, uh, sorry, Andrew. I'm, I'm just going to toss it right back to you. It's That's actually, fine. Oh, I'm prepared. You're, you're prepared. It. You're ready. Yeah. <laughs> it was because uh, you'd mentioned you had got CRM. And now that you're, you're now your life goal is to, to basically retire from the university and be an emeritus professor who, yeah. who occasionally teaches and then talks about the good old days. Of, totally. Know, oh, that's a, I want to be a raconteur. That's what I want to be. <laughs> Are you going to develop some weird things like, you know, wear a pith helmet around the campus and, you know, maybe like leopard skin boots or, you know, just just be that weird old professor? Dude, I've already looked into buying a monocle. I'm not kidding. So, uh, yes, is the answer. Is this, so this is this, we'll, we'll come on to like, you know, preparing for your career goals, because obviously buying a monocle is something you should you should prepare for that's number one on the list buy monocle yeah so so in terms of how my goals kind of shifted and changed so i think so many of us experience this in in archaeology so you you get a bachelor's and while you're getting your bachelor's maybe you go to a field school or two and you're like "Ooh, this is great this archaeology thing and then you get out and you realize that to continue working internationally on some you know project like that basically you need a phd and you need connections you need a full-time gig so what can you do between that well there's crm especially if you have the skill set which i did i was very fortunate to go to a place where i learned the good skills for that and so actually there was a time there where being a college professor was just like a way far away pipe dream and i'm like oh that could be cool if it happens, but I think part of me, I'm very realistic in some ways. So I'm like, but dude, in realistic terms, I need a job now. I would like to stay in archaeology and that equals CRM. So I wanted to do it right. And I got into CRM and like you, I, I enjoyed it. My early experiences, my early experiences were a lot of survey like yours survey in various places in Southern California, a lot on military bases because there's huge military bases here in Southern California. So you do these big surveys at like Camp Pendleton. And then I also had some experience on the California, Arizona border for a while doing survey again there. Uh, Some of the things that you were talking about, about 
your experiences at the border, it felt similar. Like it almost feels the same on my skin. You know, when I when I think back to when I was working on the California Arizona border because it was very deserty and hot and you know that kind of thing. But I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to take serum. I wanted to be professional about it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. The months are rolling by, you know, the years are rolling by. And I'm like, how do I move forward? So I started to get goals in CRM of, of how to, how to move forward in there and, and try to tease out an end goal for myself in CRM too. Like if the, okay, if the academic thing never works out, you know, where do I go in CRM? And it was, it was a bit of an odd road where I, I think for myself, if I'd stayed in CRM, my angle would have been to own my own small company. That's, that's ambitious, man. It, it just seemed to make sense. There's a moment and I'm bummed that Chris isn't here today. Cause I feel like Chris probably had the same thing. It's like, after you work in it for a while, you kind of see how the sausage is made. You know, you're like, wait, by that point, I'm like, I have a master's degree. I could bid for jobs. Why am I only making a portion of the profit? You know what I mean? Well, Andrew, did you ever actually go to start your own company? No. Yeah, because then you, you kind of realize that not only are you not making a portion of the pro- profit, like you're reinvesting your profit slash your salary into the company to keep it going. And yes, it, it's rough. But yeah, so how do you how do you so you were you were thinking either become a company owner or then did you end up trying to get like a PhD in there or something. How, how do you end up going, going the community uh, college route? Yeah. So basically, so I'm doing CRM and, and, and I, my CRM background, when I think about it is sort of odd, but it's probably similar to so many others. Uh, but the very first job in CRM I got was probably somewhere in 1995. And the very last job I had in CRM was 2004. So it was almost the better part of a decade, but in that decade, I only really worked full time, 40 hours a week and with overtime and all that for about a solid two years. Before that, it was kind of one job here, one job there. And then my last couple of years in CRM where I would go to school, I was getting my PhD, right? And I'd go like, to school Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and i do CRM Tuesdays, Thursdays. So I always had this intertwined CRM academic thing going on which was cool. Although if you do that, you find that the academic world is always down on you for that. They almost, they almost try and make you not do that. They're like, Oh, you're, you're supposed to be a PhD person, you know, full time. You can't, you can't have any other job, which is ludicrous. Oh man. Uh, I got, I got stories about that, but continue. Of course. And, and I actually just that, like I had to do that totally undercover because the the university not only looked down on it, but I think if they really wanted to, I think they could have like pulled my funding or something. You know, the pittance they give you like month by month if you're a TA, not nearly enough to live on. But of course, it didn't happen. And so many others do this. But it, it's sad that you have to almost commit a crime by working, you know, in order to make enough money to survive. But I really enjoyed the juxtaposition of 
going into some really like high end theory based class on a Monday, you know, where they're just talking these highest ideals, whatever. And then on Tuesday, I'm like watching huge machinery dig huge holes in downtown Los Angeles. And and it, it's a learning experience. You know, I, I recommend that for anyone to have those extremes. And so then you uh, you've moved over. You're on the uh, the the quote unquote academic side of things. Yeah. And you have your long-term goal, which is, you know, be, be the weird old professor. Yes. Um, the eccentric one. <laughs> How are you planning? Because, you know, people have goals and then you, you, you sort of reach your goal or you have it within reach. Mm. So you, you know what your, your, your end is, but. How, how do you make plans to maintain that, especially with uh, academia where programs are being shut down around lots yeah. of different countries, funding go, comes in waves. And I mean, with community colleges, you're much more dependent on student numbers than, say, yep. a research intense university. And so yep. generational, there's... Uh, there's waves like, uh, you know, there's the baby boomers and went down the uh, 80s and then shot back up in the 90s into the 2000s and then went back down. So you, you have a lot of sort of things that are going to kind of interfere with your, your long term goal there. How right. are you planning to uh, to maintain it? Yeah. Why? Why you got to bring me down, Doug? Why you got to bring me down to reality? That is very true. So in the community college world, as you said, it's totally about students and numbers. And we watch those trends all the time. Like how many how many high schoolers are in the local high schools? You know, that that kind of stuff. And so you have to be smart and, and watch that. But in terms of maintaining and changing goals, really, I, I find that it's so smart to have. I would call them side hustles that that feed into your overall goals, you know, learning, learning new things that are thematically correct to your goals. And even for me, like I I find that I I try and keep my CRM knowledge sharp because just in case. Right. That's right. If they gave me the note tomorrow and they're like, Hey, Kinkella, guess what? Well, we're closing the department. I'd be like, Oh my God, time to call all the CRM people I know, you know? So I, and I will say funnily enough, I miss CRM a little bit. I, I miss the organization of it and how it's done. I miss being a part of that in, in some ways, because it's very different from academia. And I, I think what's odd for me is so I was doing this like CRM stuff for years. And then in 2004, that summer, I'm working f- full time since it was summer. So I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, 40 hours a week on a CRM gig. I was surveying in Southern California. And basically there was a Friday where I was surveying and doing CRM. And then I put my hard hat and my orange vest in a box. And I was a college professor on the Monday. And it, it was just, it was a strange, you know, absolute 180 of what I'd been doing. And I still have the box in my office. And sometimes I, I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, there's my hard hat. And I don't know if I've reckoned with my CRM past 100%. But it, so in terms of, of those goals and moving on, currently, since, since I've even achieved some of my goals, and I've been very fortunate to, to 
do some of that stuff as being an archaeology professor. I'm also like, ooh, let's let's get in touch with some of the CRM firms and just see what's going on. I wonder if there's anything that I could do once a week, you know, and to kind of keep again, to keep those that skill set shiny fairly recently. And by fairly recently, I mean, the last five, six, seven years, I got my scuba diving certification, but not just my certification, but my dive master certification. And that was something that I could use for my research in Belize, but that was like a smaller goal. And that was really fulfilling when I did it. So, so that worked. And I know that other people do things in their career, like they'll get a GIS certification or something that they didn't have before. That stuff is, is gold because it helps you in your job. And it also just gives you something to shoot for it kind of any job can have a little monotony to it and it, it wipes away the monotony and kind of keeps you fresh. I don't know. Do you, do you do any of that same sort of stuff? Yeah. So, um, like actually, well, I had to do it like, uh, cause I have a, a small child and was quite busy during the week. So I, yes. I just actually submitted a bit of work for a course I took. So it was about data visualization. And so actually it was, it was a really interesting course uh, about using R and R Markdown. It was a different way of doing some of the work I've already done, but basically it's, you know, it's data visualization. And I part one of the like 400 different strands of things I do is pulling together a lot of data, uh, mainly on archaeologists, but it was about how to pull, you know, present the stuff. And I, I like that sort of thing and it was good, but yeah, it's, it's sort of that, what people love to call CPD, which I don't know. For some reason, when you say CPD, it it seems like it, it destroys all the fun of learning. <laughs> yeah, like like I I don't know why people like. It's one of those weird things. Like I think a lot of people get into archaeology, you know, for a variety of reasons. But a lot of people are there for learning, like learning new mm-hmm. things, discovering new things, mm-hmm. and weirdly, like. It, it can somewhat get like you, you basically you start out and this isn't everyone, but you, you start out at university and that's all you do is just learn. And like you keep going and work, but for some reason, like the fun of learning can sometimes get just taken out, uh, surgically yeah. removed. So I, I, I do along a lot along the similar lines is like, I actually like learning new things. And picking up things that, yeah, can be relevant to my work. But also, you know, sometimes it's just random stuff that, like, you probably is not going to be uh, helpful for your work. But you never know. You never yeah. know. It, it can come back a couple of years later and suddenly that's how you get a job because you had a little bit of experience in this one random topic. Yeah, so true. That's That's happened to me a bunch of times. You know, like it's where I just happen to have some funky arcane knowledge. It actually my in in the CRM world, I I happen to work on a historic site just with historic bottles and stuff. It was from around 1900 or so. And I and I got pretty good at historic bottles and I thought nothing of it. But then in Belize, when I was working on the Maya, we found this historic site from around 1900 that it was from loggers from like 1900 working deep in the jungles of Belize. And so I wrote up this little historic site and it became of, of all the little papers and stuff I've done. It's like the most popular one. Everyone downloads this historic archeology span in Belize thing I did. 
And the only reason I did it is because I was the only crew member who happened to know historic archaeology. And I just I just fell into it. You know, so you're totally right. It's like all those little you ne- you never know. But when in doubt, there will be a time where you're, you're going to need that skill. Yeah, I think some of it is also sort of horizon scanning as well. Mm. What you're doing with the, you know, just trying to keep in contact with companies, seeing if you can yeah. maybe do one day a week. Yep. I, I think, uh, I don't know, there are those people who talk about, like, basically how, you know, you could you could start at a factory at 16 and then retire at 65. I don't see that existing anywhere no. anymore for pretty much any job. Yeah. Uh, the world's changing too much. And, and to be honest, that's, we sort of talk about that, like as that's how things were always were, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like even, even in the past, like we sort of talk about like, Oh yeah, no, this person was, a, was a, a potter. You're actually, and also they might have been a part-time farmer or at some point had been in the military and, you know, like not careers. Like we, we, you know, when we talk about the past, we talk about like that was, they always did that, but they didn't. And, you know, it's relatively, uh, honestly, really just people who were born who could go to work in, in the 1940, from 1945 onwards and, you know, in some other countries, 1955, after they repaired all the bomb damage. <laughs> Yeah, it's a quite small number of people. I think you do have to basically, if you have sort of an end goal, you can't sort of just rest on your laurels. I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, once you get an academic job, it's for life. But it really isn't. No, Uh, it's and. You know, we've heard on this podcast before when like Bill and I will joke about that. You know, it it's it's really not that idea of just like, oh, and now I have tenure. So I sit down and it it it's always dynamic. You're always worried that that the the department's gonna close or the classes aren't gonna make or whatever. That it's it's constant. So it's I mean, it's nice being a college professor and there is some job security, definitely. I'm not here to say that it's just that it's the same as 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 being a CRM tech. It's not the same, but it is not the cliche. And with that, we will end this segment, too, and come back talking more about end goals in archaeology. See you in a minute. Want to keep this conversation going? Want to talk to the hosts of this show and other fans? Then join our membership program and get exclusive access to the hosts, other fans, and early access to these episodes and bonus segments and content. You'll also get forever access to our live show back catalog and any other shows ad-free. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash members for details. That's arcpodnet.com slash members. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the CRM Archaeological Podcast, episode 242, segment three. And we were talking about end goals in archaeology. And I'd like to throw this over to Doug and ask, Doug, for yourself, how do you come up with steps towards getting to your end goal in the first place? Yeah, I have to say I was I was quite fortunate. I've mentioned this yet several episodes is I, I took that class that became like uh, avenues to professionalism, the book, or it was a class. And then it was uh, Carol and, and uh, Joe's book. Um, and one thing they had to do was actually like write down your goals. Mm-hmm. And it sounds super simple, but like literally the first step is actually writing down your goals because then they become concrete and it's no longer something mentally that you can sort of ignore. You know, because right. if you always have sort of something in the back of your mind, it's only there when you're thinking about it. But if you write it down and you say where you want to be and you basically mark it out, milestone it, as it were. And so, so you're looking at like, you know. I want to be here in two years. I want to be there in five. And then in 15, I want to be, I don't know, enjoying the sweet, sweet Andrew Kakillin life of just, you know, <laughs> wearing a monocle and, uh, and pontificating. Yes, pontificating, yes. much pontificating. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, realize it, it's, it's fluid. And if you don't reach those goals at that time, it's okay. Um, it, it's it's meant to set you on a path. Because if, if you're looking at, I want to be at a certain level in two years, well, that's a very concrete goal. And you need to have, you actually need to add like times to your goals. Yeah. Like, like you can't just have a, a vague goal because then you just push it off till forever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's always there, but you, you don't actually set steps. But if you set like a six month goal or a two year goal that comes quickly. I mean, yep. like, you know, well, that's of course it's two years through a pandemic and then that can just feel like two decades, but you, you guys set times. And then once you have that, which is, you know, a goal and it needs to be, oh, there's all sorts of acronyms, uh, which is like things like smart, which is specific, manageable, attainable something i you know you can google on the internet and there'll be a bajillion business terms and various different ways about what your goal should be but in the end the goal should be somewhat measurable yeah but it doesn't have to be like hard measurable of like i need my salary at like fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or something like that it can actually be like I want to be happy 90% of the time. Like, mm-hmm. like, like you, you don't have to, like your goals do not have to be just about like career progression, uh, progression in terms of like money and, and position or power. It could actually just be like being content. Um, right. And, and that's, but you want to have something that you can be able to know when you're there. And, and like, so like content sounds like, you know, it can be a really vague goal, but actually, you know, being content and happy, you, you can set a pretty, pretty solid goal of like, you know, I 98% of the time, 
I want to go into work and not hate my life. Um, yep. And that's, that's a very attainable uh, goal. Yeah. And so you, you'll know when you're there, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely know when you, you know, if, if you're going into work and like ha- every day, you know, seven out of eight hours, you're just miserable, then you haven't reached your goal. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think, I think what you just talked about there in those last few minutes is just gold. It's like everyone in the world, Listen to what Doug just said. I I find that too many people don't do this. And I just so much agree with you about writing down, writing down the steps, you know, just either however is more comfortable for you, either if it's on a piece of paper or if it's on a file in your computer. For me, like what you just outlined, Doug, is exactly what I do. I have I have a sheet like I, I have a document in my computer called success notes. And I know it sounds totally cliche and cheesy and whatever, but just you guys just lean into the cheese, you know, and, and do it. And I I do basically what Doug just talked about for myself. I have themes. I'll have like writing success because I'm like, I'll put stuff down on there like, oh, a textbook, which I actually wrote. And it feels so good when you can check something off your list. You're like, yes. And I have these other things that I want to write. I have teaching success for what I'm going to do in the class and things I'd like to do, things like classes I'd like to make that I haven't done yet. I put those on there. I have Belize success for my Maya stuff when I work in Belize, like long-term goals. Ooh, it'd be great to work on this at some point. Like Doug, like you were saying, I also have other things on there that have nothing to do with job, like, like family success, you know, things, things I'd like to do with the family. And it, it goes back to what you were saying about being content. And it brings me a whole lot of content when I go forward on these steps. And it's not a super pressure situation. You know, I give myself reasonable steps. I'm like, you know, it'd be really great if by the end of the summer I could do this, you know, or whatever. And so having that, that written down chart, it's basically like a flow chart of life has really helped me. And I look at that thing all the time. So I, for me, that's really helped. And what's funny, as we talked about earlier, about CRM, I'm just kind of blowing the dust off my CRM success notes, you know? Oh yeah. Hey, maybe one time a week. We'll see. Right. So it's, it's a fun time to be creative too about your goals. Yeah. I think when you're looking at your goals, one is you don't need to achieve them all at once. Yeah. And you need to break them down into smaller tasks. Absolutely. Like um, you're, you're going to like, if you have a goal of like, Andrew, if you don't mind if we use your example of like, you just, uh, you you didn't quite, it was vague how to make it to the next, the next level. Like you you just didn't know, in CRM, you didn't know how to, to make it like project manager, PI level and jump like that. And that is a big jump. Like, like if if your goal is that it can be super overwhelming because you just, there's a ton of things you have to do and various things you have to look at and it could be really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing to do is break it down to the tiniest of tasks. And I, I kind of look at this as like, if you don't have a coding background, this makes no sense. But basically like there's, there's a thing called functional programming, which is basically 
when you're coding, you, you create functions and each function should just have one purpose. It should do right. just one thing and that's it. And that's what you should do with your, your steps. Like mm-hmm. you shouldn't like plan out like 10 steps. You should just do one very simple step. And if that step is as simple as like learning how to do, like if, if, if you're starting out in archaeology and you want to become a, a te- you know, you have to get an entry level job in tech, learning how to make a line level. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, like just making a straight, that, that is seriously like, the, yeah. you know, t- two nails, a string, uh, a level, like, but that is a task and that is. is doable. And it that's, is. that's something you should do is yeah. like, you should break it down and you're like, okay, first you learn how to do that. Then you learn how to measure on, on a, to the different stratum on your, uh, uh, on your trench. And then the next thing is you learn how to draw that in, but that's right. a task. It should be very simple very tiny steps that you take each time because if not you're going to get overwhelmed with like oh i need to learn gis well (laughs) oh dude but yeah i i I love that idea of just even the line level and then once you do it and get good at it you can take pride in it And, and and it sounds funny but it's true you'd be like hey dude look at that line level that is a sweet line level and others who know archaeology are like yeah nicely done you know, so yeah. you can take pride in these steps and they feel so good when you get good at them. And you're not going to be overwhelmed because like, yeah, if mm-hmm. you set a goal of like learning GIS, poof, that's a career. Like, but <laughs> like your, your first goal should be like, learn what GIS means. Right. Like, yes. And like, that's, that's, that's just it. And like you, you do, you break it down into a bunch of smaller goals. Um, and I think that's part of the part, one of the steps. And then also like you probably actually end up having to do like a lot of research. Like if you have a Mm -hmm. goal of like, actually, you know what? I want to have self-fulfillment of a spiritual level in in my work. And you're like, I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. I don't know. 10,000 people write a blog each day or a podcast or like, you know, there's tons of resources out there on on anything you want to do. I mean, it could be as much as like, Actually, you know, I want to be a business owner. I need to learn like basics of accounting and what's a curl uh, accounting and like, you know, mm-hmm. what's cash based accounting. And like, you know, there are tons of mini courses, YouTube videos, podcasts, absolutely blogs, books. Man, there, there, any medium you can think of, I'm sure someone's done an interpretive dance on like how to do account, <laughs> accounting. Like, there is something out there on the way that you learn. So if you learn better on reading or, or practicing or listening to a podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. there's going to be a ton of stuff out there or even just asking people like, you know, so there's going to be less information out there on CRM. I mean, you have stuff like Chris's book for how to get into CRM and survive it. Yeah. I'd say like Bill's blog is pretty good on like yeah. some of the other things and there'll be less things, but you can also like, ask coworkers like mm-hmm. um you know how did you become a pi um and, and also you're gonna have to ask a lot of people because some people's answers are gonna be like well it was the 70s um there was nothing else to do i just got out of university i had a phd i had a pickup truck and a shovel and that's uh-huh. that's how i became owner of the company like oh my god i know so true and that, that you bring up that great point too of asking others and 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 multiple people because you're right you'll yeah. get the one where it's like i was just standing there and then a bolt of lightning hit me and you're like yeah well i'm not gonna have a bolt of lightning but yeah ask multiple people and take it seriously and write that down i used to i would take notes after asking people 
about the stuff, you know, and, and I would also specifically try and find people who were speaking of reasonable goals, who were just a little ahead of me, you know, not super ahead of me, not a decade ahead of me that I can't even reach someone who's at that next step. How'd you get to that next step? You know, and then, and then that's, you can get that. You can see it. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I also say, look for people who struggled as well. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, honestly, bolt of lightning, right time, right place. But when when that happens, they don't actually realize it. Like you want that person who took five years to get to their goal because they struggled, probably made a bunch of mistakes, mistakes you'll learn from. Yeah. Um, like they can tell you like, actually I did a bunch of these things and it did not work out. Yeah. Don't do it. Whereas like <laughs> the person who's just like, Oh, it just fell into my lap. Mm-hmm. Well, they did one thing and it worked out for them and they have no, they have no, usually no idea how to do it now. And, and you're totally right. Andrew, ask someone just a little bit ahead of you because mm-hmm. someone moving into a different part of their career or having a goal that happened in the 1980s is very different than someone in the 2020s. Right. So, yeah, so different. Oh, I'd also like to add, as we're talking about end goals on all this stuff, it's okay to drop a goal. You know, if you kind of go into it for a while, you're into it, but then you just realize you're like, this isn't working out. You know, this is, it isn't what I thought. It's not going to get me where I want. It's a lot of work and it's really feeling like work. It's, it's okay to let it go. You're not a loser. If you if you see it and you go, oh, this isn't going to work, just just let it go. It's it's okay. I've done that several times in in my career. I I, I can think of I can think of in the in the diving world. Right. I really I got really into scuba diving because it goes with some of the stuff I do in Belize. And I got my dive master certification and that was huge for me. And that's a big deal. But then I thought I wanted to go even further. And I started to do this thing called GUE global underwater explorers. And it really was, I felt it where I was like, you know what? This is too much. This is for somebody who's a full-time diver and, and diving is their life. I'm a college professor. I, I can't do this. So I stopped at that point and it was a good choice, right? It wasn't, it, it would have been foolish for me to force myself to like continue at that point. I think that brings up something else you raised, Andrew, which is like, having goals that are not all just career and archaeology. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. And I think also like for anyone listening, like archaeology may be uh, the, sorry, what was it? Global underwater, global underwater explorers. Jeez. Yeah. So if archaeology is your global underwater explorers, it's okay to leave it. Like, yes. um, you're, you're, ah, we do have this thing about like failure. Like if you leave archaeology, somehow you couldn't hack it. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, you know, your goals shouldn't just be career goals, but like we're, we're talking life goals and like end goals. Like when, when you, when Andrew wants to like retire with a monocle, that that's a life goal right there. That, that doesn't have to, that, that doesn't have to be with archeology. span No. And, but that is that thing is like, you know, goals will change you. And you mentioned family goals, which I think mm-hmm. are super important. And, you know, it, it's prioritizing and figuring out, some of your goals may be to help other goals. So like if your goal is to spend more time with your family, maybe your goal is then to change your job or, or, or not your goal. One of your steps to do that is to change your job to maybe one 
where you're not out in the field. You're not doing 10 days on, four days right. off in some remote location on a border between various states or countries <laughs> as, as, as we've done. Or, you know, that could be a goal. And so, yeah, like making it up to PI may not actually be a, a goal so much as a step to getting to what your actual goal is. Yep. I think that's important to think of is, is these goals is not just of archaeology is not the end all be all. You shouldn't be looking at this as, as your as the prism of, of judging success. No. It's it's not. No. And so so many people do that. They they do that you see that all the time with like PhD dissertations and stuff. You know, they're like, Oh, this is just this is the end all be all. It's like, no, no, no. It's a step. You know, and to to a sort of a greater enlightenment, I guess, later. And with that, we are at the end of our time. So this one's been really fun. Just just the two of us just sort of sitting here hanging and talking about goals in archaeology and kind of how to how to get to them. We will see everybody next time. And with that, we are out of here. Goodbye, everyone. See you guys next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. All right, is that it? Well, you got to stop the recording. Oh, no, should I stop the recording? I think you should stop the recording. I think I could stop the recording. Thanks for listening. Please consider joining our growing core of members over at arcpodnet.com slash members. If you liked what you heard, consider leaving a review wherever you're listening to this. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.